are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. A story from John's Gospel, the 20th chapter. Now, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors to the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the religious authorities, Jesus came and, and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He showed him his hands. And his side. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so now I send you. And having said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, who was called a twin, one of the twelve wasn't there when Jesus came. So the other disciples, they went and they told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, unless I put my finger in the mark of the nails and in my hand in his side, I won't be able to believe it. Well, a week later, the disciples were again gathered in the house. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. And see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Have no doubt, but believe it. Thomas said, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you all may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you all may have life in his name. The Gospel of our Lord. <clears throat> Well, good morning. 
on behalf of the staff and the board of directors of the Triangle Community Ministry, and on behalf of the residents of the Triangle neighborhood, with whom we walk beside in neighborly love, I bring greetings and I bring gratitude. I'm not here today to, to talk about all the ins and outs of our organization, but I am compelled to give thanks today to all of you for the support of this congregation. We are in our 45th year as an organization sharing a ministry of presence with the people of the Triangle neighborhood. And we could not serve as effectively without the financial support and the volunteer support that we receive from Covenant and from other congregations around the Madison area. So thank you for keeping us in your mission support, in your prayers, and in your acts of service in the name of the risen Christ. And Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Now, I'm Lutheran. I don't know if this is part of your practice, but in the Lutheran church at Easter, we say, Christ is risen, and everyone says, Christ is risen indeed, and we all say, hallelujah together. They did this really well at the first service. Let's see if you all can do it too. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm not serving in a parish right now, so it fills my heart to be able to do this with you all. Uh, it is an honor and a holy privilege to be here with you this morning in this season of Easter to celebrate the risen Christ and to share a message of this good news for us and for the church and for all creation. I understand you are familiar with and often put to use the revised common lectionary, the ecumenically selected readings for each Sunday throughout the liturgical year. And so you are likely familiar with this story from John's Gospel, as it is assigned each year for the second Sunday of Easter. It picks up in John's Gospel where the resurrection story ends, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the day that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. I don't know which version of the gospel you all heard on Easter Sunday, but as John tells the story of Easter morning, Mary walks there by herself, alone in the dark, before the sunrise. And John doesn't say why she goes there. Perhaps it was to weep there, to feel some sense of closure, or to make some sense of what had happened. Whatever the reason, we know from the rest of the story that she wasn't expecting what she found or what was to come. Upon seeing that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, presuming it to be empty, she runs to tell the others that they, the ones who murdered their Lord, their teacher, their beloved Jesus, had taken his body and hidden it away. I imagine her frantic words, her racing heart, her shaking hands, her trembling voice, the anger, the fear, the agitated trauma all coming out at once. Well, Peter and the beloved disciple, they race back with her to the tomb, and they find it empty as well. And they come to the same conclusion. And then the two other disciples, they leave her there by the tomb to weep alone again. John's story goes on to tell of two angels in the tomb appearing and asking her why she's weeping. Because they have taken away my Lord, she answers. And I don't know where they've laid him. And then she turns around and she sees Jesus, thinks him the gardener, and asks him where the Lord's body has been laid. He calls her name, 
Her eyes are open. She sees him. They exchange words of love and hope. And then she is sent as the first apostle to tell the others that Christ is risen. Now, this is all just to set the context for what was going on when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week. John sets the scene in a locked house where the disciples were gathered. It's possible that they've been hiding there all along since the terrible day of the crucifixion, behind locked doors for fear that they might be next, being known as Jesus' inner circle. That's probably where Mary found them early that morning, waking them with the shockingly terrible news of a desecrated tomb and a stolen body. And then again later, with the shockingly impossible news that he was risen. Put yourselves there if you can. Have you ever received word of something so terrible? Or something so impossibly wonderful? So as to be unbelievable? Or have you ever been through something so tragic and traumatic to leave you stuck behind locked doors, physical or metaphorical? Can you imagine holding such a lived experience as the disciples leading up to that day or of that morning and holding it in tension with Mary's impossible news of the risen Lord? Can we imagine what those gathered in that house on that night were thinking and feeling? I think it's fair to say that what they needed more than anything in that moment was no less than see, to see and to experience the risen Christ. It's one of my favorite actions of Jesus in John's gospel. And there are so many, so many examples, so many moments where Jesus shows this divine depth of mercy and compassion. The risen Christ here, alive with wounded hands inside, with words of peace, with the breath of the Holy Spirit, with gifts for them of blessing and power to carry that holy moment beyond the locked doors and walls of that tomb into a hurting world, he shows up to stand among them, to be with them. It's so beautiful, isn't it? It's so perfect. It's so right. Only Thomas missed it. I, for one, think that he got a bad deal on that day. And throughout history, with that unfortunate nickname, you all know the one, can any of us blame him for his response, for his doubt? Doubt that has nothing to do with skepticism. But first of all, we don't know where Thomas was that night. We don't know why he wasn't there or what he was doing. But it's worth thinking about the fact that he was somewhere else doing something else while all the others were hiding in a safe house. Now, second, by this point in the gospel, Thomas has earned a reputation for being both faithful and courageous. Look at the story of Lazarus for an example. And so perhaps he was the one who volunteered to risk being seen in that dangerous place and time. 
to go out and to secure food for those back at the house, perhaps, or, or to bring news and comfort to others in hiding. A ministry of presence to the faithful, hurting remnant of Jesus' followers in Jerusalem. We don't know. Nor do we know whether he was aware of Mary's message from earlier that day. But regardless, it's not fair to think that he was anything less than the faithful and brave disciple that we know him to be. And of course, wherever he was, whatever he was doing, it was surely with a spirit that had been utterly shattered. How would I feel in his shoes, I wonder? How would any of us react to the news of Jesus' appearance for the others? If indeed it was true, well, he needed that too, didn't he? More than anything, in those moments of that day, he needed nothing less than to see and to experience the risen Christ alive. With wounded hands and side, with a living voice of peace, with a living breath of Holy Spirit, with a gift of blessing and healing for his broken heart and shattered spirit. nor the significance of grief that weighed them down. Of course, he couldn't take their word as sufficient for healing and for moving forward. And the way that I read this story, the way I hear it, and hopefully the way I tell it, Jesus' second visit a week later, on the second Sunday of Easter, wasn't at all about admonishing Thomas for his doubt for his week-long struggle to believe good news. It is all blessing. It is true to the Christ that we have known all along in the gospel story, the Christ who is alive among the people, motivated by love, for God so loved the world that God sent the only Son. It is the same Christ sent and ever motivated by the divine love of God, receiving the broken the outcasts and the downtrodden with boundless compassion, speaking love, granting grace, and offering blessing to heal and to give life. That is the Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, whom we have seen and known all along in this sacred story of John's gospel. That is the Jesus who shows up again to greet Thomas with exactly what he needed. Among the faithful, some like Mary with hearts full and on fire for the risen Christ, some like Thomas, weary and broken and wondering if and when and how he'll ever move forward, and likely most of them somewhere in between, Jesus comes again. Among the gathered faithful, with all that they are and all that they have and with all their need, Jesus comes again. And as we see with Thomas, he comes to give faith.